1: On round two, nice to bring back Pamela Palmer. You've been away for a while. Pavan Brach is here, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development. Kevin Vong is an independent MP for Sport, Spadina, Fort York. Good morning to y'all. Let's actually start with a lifestyle issue, and that would be the idea that's being floated that if an establishment wants to serve alcohol um, at later hours, that they could. As a matter of fact, we could go all the way to six a.m. Pamela Palmer, do we need this? I mean, this discussion has been happening this morning, mostly amongst people who wouldn't be in a bar at 10 p.m.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think we always have to balance safety and other considerations other than do the patrons of people who go to bars till 2 a.m. want to stay until 4 or 6 a.m. That's a, a small segment of society. We can't forget about all of the people who live around that area have to live and work and you know go from place to place i really think that safety needs to be a key issue
1: okay kevin vong your writing encompasses uh, some entertainment establishments what do you think
2: yeah i agree with um, with pan there i i think if we're going to do this and inevitably we know toronto is going to start some pilot and name it to something um Drink you know, let's <laughs> also think it through all the way which means safety And clean up. Because inevitably, if people are going to drink, and drink a lot, and drink for a long time, there's going to be clean up that's required. So let's make sure that the communities that host these bars that could be open till 6 a.m. are kept safe and clean.
1: and there seems to be an assumption amongst many people debating the issue that if you extend bar hours, it means people drink more. I don't know, maybe they just drink at different hours.
3: Yeah, I don't think we can assume that. No, absolutely not. In fact, consumption is down overall, even even with our current hours. So we, but you know, I, I think in this age of this age of work from home, living on our devices, you know, kind of almost every second. Um, and and frankly access to pot uh, as an alternative to drinking uh that is so powerful right now that it's it's driving so many young people to psychosis you know what I'm I'm kind of all for this and I, I you know've I've seen um I've seen the kind of vibe that you can generate with these uh things I we own a property with one of the hottest Toronto supper clubs it's uh, called lobby that's just relocated now also I opened a new location in Hamilton I attended their launch last week and you know lots of great people mingling drinking respect you know you know decently uh, great music. I think it's I think it's the right thing to do really. And we, we've got to stop if you can if you can buy duff beer at the cookie mart, you know, twenty four seven, why <laughs> why can't you go and, and enjoy other people's company and actually meet people without an app, you know, so I, I, I'm i all for it. And and we have to remember that there are so many, you know, I know this because I've created businesses in hospitality. There are so many laws around drinking, driving, uh, noise, security, you know, all these types of things. It's a wonder that, that people can operate in this day and age. So I, I'm, I'm all for it.
1: Today is the due date for SBA loans to be repaid, or you start paying interest, and you will ultimately end up paying off more of a loan than you would have before. But Kevin Vong, let me start with you because the you know this is a, a federal issue. Um, do you think that they're being a little hard ass uh, in Ottawa?
2: Absolutely, John. This is what happens when you don't have people who know what it's like to operate a business and what it takes to build it from the ground up, and frankly. I'll tell you, one of the big reasons why, when I was asked to run, I said yes, is because God knows the Trudeau government sorely missing that, and that remains the case. Since last year, long before today's deadline, I've been fighting for the government to get their head out of their uh, uh, rear uh, and listen to small businesses. And being the government of photo ops, they'll announce things like reducing credit card fees, which are great, but they don't. they seem to not realize that for any small business to benefit, they need to survive. SEBA loan needs to be extended.
1: <laughs> Pamela Palmater, one of my fears is that the economy has been permanently restructured. It's not about restoring it. It's about coming to terms with the new economy. Ergo, some of these people are just delaying the inevitable. If you know, If we were to give them an extra six months or a year to pay it off, they would still be going out of business.
0: Exactly. That's the whole point. And I think we can't forget that who's actually paying this? This isn't like some magical bank that Trudeau has to say, oh, okay, fine, you can have all this money or delay it. These are taxpayers who are already hit hard by worldwide inflation and food prices. There's homelessness. It's hard enough to even get a place to live. I can't imagine saying, okay, taxpayers, now you also have to keep carrying this burden and any interest and penalties that has overall i think they need to pay up they knew it was a loan that's what businesses do they take out loans they pay them back you're literally just delaying the inevitable and Making it worse for the economy.
3: All right, Pavan, you can break the tie here. (laughs) No, I'm sorry, I'm I'm on the same side. You know, I I you know, I I kind of laughed when I heard Trudeau say, "I'm we've got your back, small business." And frankly, I don't think that applies to even large businesses. Though uh, obviously, there are some who are going to profit from this 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 failure to extend. But I think you know we have to be fair. I mean, you know, COVID was one thing, and and how that was managed is a question that we probably will never talk about because we just don't want to talk about it. But you know, as Pam. I mentioned, you know, inflation, carbon taxes on food, uh, the impact of of hiring so many civil servants, which we've talked about and paying, you know, so much in, in settlements everywhere giving $25 billion plus to, you know, diesel-loving Volkswagen, but turning their backs really, I think, at a critical time on small business who are really, really struggling. So, you know, I, I think every every business person would say that they need to pay it back, but at, at the same time, I mean, this isn't the best time, and, and I, do think, uh, I do think they, they needed to be a little bit more compassionate.
1: And, and Kevin, I want to come back to you for a second and ask you about something that wasn't on the agenda, but everybody's talking about it, and you are a federal MP, and that would be the uh, liberal MPs from Toronto apparently prepared to go to war against Olivia Chow and company. What do you make of this whole struggle?
2: So, John, I'm I'm so glad that you know I, I've heard Yvonne Baker. He he was on News Talk 1010. That him and and the 23 other Liberal MPs have finally woken up. They've they've been MIA for so long. I'm surprised their photos didn't show up on a milk carton. The Liberals seem to have forgotten that all Toronto MPs, all of us ran in 2021 on an election promise to address Toronto's COVID budget shortfall. And I don't know how they could have forgotten because I've raised this issue in the House on at least 10 different occasions. Now, if you'll permit me, I wanted to directly address a talking point that Yvonne put out that the Liberals have tried on me, which is that the Trudeau government has provided billions for Toronto for infrastructure and so on. Well, John, they clearly don't understand the difference between capital and operating expenditures, which is alarming for people in government. So I'd like to remind them, the issue Toronto is facing is related to the operating budget, which is whether or not the bus that the Liberals have thrown Torontonians under have the money for the gas to actually run. There's a distinct difference. And, and I think Torontonians and, frankly, Canadians are smarter than they, the Liberals give us credit for, and they can see through the BS.
1: Uh <laughs> I want to move on to a couple of other issues. One of them would be Robert Benzi writing today that MPPs haven't had a raise since 2008. And I would imagine many people think that's fine. They already make a good living. But, Pavan, I'll start with you on this one. You do have to pay public officials, and I don't think they're greedy for wanting a decent and comparable wage. Not necessar- I mean, I know one former federal cabinet minister who is probably making about 240 as a cabinet minister who's making about 850 Hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the private sector now. So, you know, it's not being an oblate nun, but you are making a compromise most of the time when you run for elected office.
3: I agree. And, and you know, listen, I, I support it. If uh, if if you're going to pay uh, you know people who are running hundreds of billions of dollars of spending annually you know um, you know uh, something that's not comparable to what a teacher or or a constable would earn I think there's a problem with that and you know there is an adage that when you pay peanuts you get monkeys and I'm not saying that 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 this applies to our representatives but you know if there's been no increase since 2008 uh, I think that needs to change and, and you know ideal world and I know this is never going to happen but wouldn't it be nice if there was an added bonus system like it is in the private sector. So the guy that's making 800 grand or the lady that's making 800 grand has probably got a a pretty significant bonus structure. And, you know, health care has been on our radar forever. Housing, deficits, service levels, cost reductions that aren't being, you know, kind of implemented. I'd be happy if they earned a base salary that was higher, but they actually had a bonus on all sides if they actually achieved the objectives that the citizens want. Base pay for an MPP
1: is $116,000, which actually in 2008 dollars is the equivalent of $83,000. Pamela, I get it. Nobody's organizing a pity party for MPP but uh i don't know anybody else who hasn't had a raise since 2008.
0: well i think we have to think about other situations and i am all for people in all professions making a living and being able to survive the cost of living and a single mom who might be an mpp who has to pay for her kids and maybe elderly parents like the money needs to be there to provide all of these social supports Uh, but so too do all the frontline workers that serve all the mpps we should have been raising the minimum wage a long time ago so we're talking about people who yes should have a raise people should get raises in their jobs but so too do people at the very very bottom where it's life and death and some can't even afford a place to live so we should also at the same time be talking about things like minimum wage
1: okay and kevin bong last word on this one and of course notable that you're on the public ticket as an elected official
2: yeah, that's right. And and what MPPs and MPs do get paid um, is, is quite dren- generous relative to a lot of what Canadians earn. But something that that I learned from my parents is also you get what you pay for. And so I think if you want talent, you have to pay for it. I'm, I'm of the opinion that you tie any salary change to the rate of inflation, full stop, and be done with it. And while we're at it, do it for the budget too, right? This way, one, we don't have out of touch and cool double-digit property tax increases, like Livia Chow wants to force on Torontonians, but then you also get governments who are more focused on inflation as well.
1: And not a lot of time on the clock, but Pamela Palminter, I'm kind of curious about your thoughts, because you are a lawyer and an activist. Montreal doctor has been suspended for three months after getting into an argument with a transgender person and refusing to recognize them for the gender they wanted to identify with. Uh, Did he get what was uh, coming, the doctor, I mean?
0: Well, I think if you separate... His behavior from the topic itself, you'll see just how unprofessional he was. He had a million options to treat the person with dignity, to refer them to a transition specialist. It's its not about his personal opinion or whether or not he was correct. Obviously, doctors have to give lots of information, but his behavior, if what's reported is true, was entirely unprofessional. And that could have been to a woman for another issue. It could have been for any other issue. He shouldn't have acted that way.
1: Thank you all. Very lively discussion. We've had some great roundtables this week. Kevin Vong, Pamela Palmer and Pavin Brotch. Catch the round table. Round one at 7:45. Round two at 8:45. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010, Toronto.